Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. We're recording live, well, recording in Washington, D.C. here at ALS Advocacy Days in May 2016. Uh, if you've been listening to past podcasts, of course, you've talked, you've listened to people with ALS, and you will again today. Uh, you've heard from advocates, which you will again today. Uh, you've heard from board members, you've heard from researchers, and a lo- wide range of people who have different perspectives on ALS. But with that, there's one perspective that I think we don't really talk about enough, and that is really how we talk about ALS. Uh, if you hear, read some things, people might talk about someone with ALS as a hero, as being brave, and those are words that are sometimes put around with almost any very difficult disease. And also we talk about things like someone with ALS being a patient or pals or just a lot of different words in terms of how we're talking about really a human being. And so today, my guest, John Russo and I, who are, John is living with ALS, we're going to talk about really how we talk about these things. Um, do we want every, does everyone want to feel the same way? Um, does everyone want to be called brave? I don't know that that's true. Does everyone want to be called a patient? I think John would rather be called John. And so we're going to find out more about that. And before that, here's how you can learn how to get involved. Uh, if you want to be a part of a walk to defeat ALS, our bike ride to defeat ALS, more advocacy efforts, um, or just to donate directly, please go to www.alsphiladelphia.org. And if you want to follow us on social media, which I hope you do, and continue to spread the word, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Vine, which we rarely do, all at ALS Philadelphia. And you can um, also email me with any questions or topic ideas at tony at alsphiladelphia.org. Now with that introduction out of the way, John Russo, thanks for joining our podcast. Tony, thank you so much for having me participate this afternoon. Oh, great. You don't have to be so formal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, uh, Tony. So um, where I'm here in Washington. John, this is your third year coming to D.C. Yes. And so before anything else, um, tell me a little bit about um, you have a, you've had ALS for how long? Um, coming up on my third anniversary of diagnosis, and I have had symptoms for at least four, maybe four and a half years. So, and, and during that year and a half before you were diagnosed, did you know much about ALS? You're like, oh, you didn't know this is probably what I... I knew it was a scary thing, and that's all I knew. I knew no one that had it personally, mm-hmm. other than a relative, but that was back in the early uh, 80s, mm-hmm. when I was young and full of myself and not really paying attention. And now you're no longer young. I'm no longer young. I just turned 60 in November of last year. Well, you wouldn't know it, know it from your having much more hair than I do. I'm a handsome guy. You are a handsome guy. Um, and so you and you live in New Jersey? Yes, we live in Southampton Township, New Jersey, which is about 25 miles due east of Philadelphia. And because you live in Southampton Township, New Jersey, tomorrow you're going to be meeting with the office of your congressman, Tom MacArthur. Yes. And what are you going to be talking to him about? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the plight of patients like myself, families like mine, mm-hmm. and how we continue to struggle to, to get government funding mm-hmm. to provide for patients and families like me. Good. And so you, this is, like you said, this is your third year coming here. Yes. Uh, the first year you came by yourself. I did. And then the next year you dragged your wife. I dragged Loretta so that I wouldn't have to drive back and forth myself. Oh, smart. And then she came back this year, which is great. Yes. Um, and I hope that you find it to be a valuable, fun experience. It's wonderful. It's, it's a very, sad to say, but it's, a, it's an uplifting experience uh, considering the sadness that's around us. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you've been involved in a lot of things, and since you've been involved, at least, we've had a lot of success um, achieving millions of dollars in research funding. Absolutely. Um, in New Jersey, we got a tax checkoff for funding ALS care services in the state where you live, and you helped out with that, too. Yeah, I played a small role, but I helped, yes. Well, every role helps because you're putting a face to ALS. Absolutely. And so, you're, like I said, you're putting a face to this disease, and you want to make the face and the human part of it more important than just, I'm patient one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. I, at this point, I wish we lived in a world where every, every person on the planet would get to know a person with ALS. Mm -hmm. Spend some time with them, and then I think people would really understand what it's all about to have a disease that there's no cure for, uh, no meaningful treatment at this point in time, and really no chance for survival. And so you didn't hadn't spent time with anyone with ALS before you got involved in this, though, right? I had not. And has being involved, be, let me backtrack, has having ALS obviously changed your perspective on life and the disease? Absolutely. And then coming to this and seeing people who have many different life experiences with it has changed you as well. Absolutely, yeah. How's that impacted you? Well, it, it gives me a broader perspective. You know, I, I know myself, I know my family, I know my situation. Mm -hmm. And being able to share with others, uh, you know, what, what they're living through at this point in time and, you know, their diverse backgrounds, it gives me an appreciation, A, for what I have, which I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it gives me an even stronger uh, perspective on, on those that, that really need more help. Yeah, you, know, you you hear me speaking now. I'm three plus years into this disease. I can still walk. I walk with a cane. I can breathe on my own. I can eat. Um, I can have this conversation with you without assistive technology. Right. There are so many people that don't have that, and uh, I believe strongly that you know more needs to be done to help those people. I'll be there at some point mm -hmm. again because there's no cure, and it it gets all of us. But, you know, while I can, I want to be as, as uh, vocal and speak with as big a voice as I possibly can to try to help others. And, you know, because you have that cane and you're able to move, if they don't listen tomorrow... Well, I can beat them with the cane. You My right arm is still real good. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, I mean, Loretta's with you, so she can do the hitting. She's the muscle, actually, <laughs> in our relationship. So, but, you, you know, you're calling her the muscle, and that's kind of the reason we were talking, because I remember we've talked a lot. And a lot of the times we talk, we're not even talking about ALS. We're talking about how I want my hockey team to be your hockey team. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you were telling me that I think there was an email that went out or maybe there was someone that talking and said, oh, you know, they're fighting a brave fight. And not to say that people aren't brave, not to take anything away from any individual's thing, but sometimes those words, how do they make you feel? Well, I'll tell you when it happened. We were in Trenton, and we were making our pitch to the uh, finance committee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spoke a little too long. The buzzer went off, and mm -hmm. I was politely asked to stop talking. I remember this. And the uh, gentleman, I guess he was the chair, basically said, you were very brave to come here today. Mm -hmm. And it infuriated me. Mm. It infuriated me on, on a lot of levels, but really uh, it made me think even more about what it's like to be an ALS patient. And the fact that, you know, we don't choose this path. Right. We're, we're put on this path. And I always think of people that are heroic or brave. They choose to do something. And mm -hmm. as, an, as a uh, sidebar to them 
taking action in some way, shape, or form, whether it be military, firemen, policemen, uh, they choose to put themselves in situations where they can be brave, they right. can be heroic. I don't think I'm anything like that, and I would believe that most ALS patients would say the same thing. What I am is trying to survive, I'm learning to cope, and I'm trying to make life as good as I can, what's left of it, for as long as I possibly can have that life. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got nothing to do with bravery or heroism. Uh, that should really be saved for people that do something that's brave. Well, and I understand that, especially because you don't want to lose the meaning of some of those very big words. It's five letters, but it can mean a big thing to be called brave. They're huge, absolutely. But on the other hand, I think you were speaking in front of a big committee, and it, there, there does take, um, maybe brave isn't exactly the word, but it takes some guts to go and bear your soul to a big group of people like that. Like maybe it's not having ALS that's brave, but being able and willing to do the things that you and hundreds of others are going to do tomorrow and talk to people in power. Like you could see that as, what would you call that if it's not brave? It's just like, this is what I have to do. Uh, in a way it's what we have to do. And, and I believe what, what people with this disease think, uh, me included, of course, is that there's nothing that, will really get done in the, in the near future that's going to save me mm -hmm. at this point. But no one should have to go through this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a senseless, senseless thing to be given a diagnosis uh, with maybe a timeline. I, I told my doctor I didn't want to know. But basically, your life ends when you get the diagnosis. It's over. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's no future. How can you plan for something 10 or 15 or 20 years out? When, you know, the average life expectancy is two to five years. Right. So, you know, you, you more or less start to think in terms of how am I going to spend the time that I have left? Mm -hmm. And uh, so from a patient perspective, you know, what better thing could you do than to try to help somebody else? And I have met many, many advocates for ALS, patients that are, have ALS, that all feel the same way. Yeah. It's basically, I'm toast, so let's see what we can do to help the future. You know, just to point out what you're saying, we're talking about the future, and obviously if you're listening, you can't see where we are. But uh, <laughs> It's lovely, really. It's lovely. There's a big group of people in this hallway a few minutes ago, and um, we were talking about a number of issues um, from technology to help people in wheelchairs to research to... Um, to speech technology and for social security disability insurance, and those things we're going to fight for tomorrow. And maybe fight isn't even the word you want. You know, we're going to be talking to lawmakers about. And like you said, we're helping other people. So you're not even, that's not going to help you. No. You're talking about someone else's future. Right, right. And it's not even that it's not going to help you. Like maybe the maybe some of those will, you know, hopefully the research helps and there's a cure tomorrow. But you're not doing these things to selfishly help John Russo? No, no. This, this is more of a situation where, you know, you could sit at home and say, oh, woe is me. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, damn it, I'm mad and I want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness for advocacy because without it, I'd be sitting at home mad because I have ALS. Mm -hmm. So this actually gives me an avenue to, and, L and Loretta, of course, mm -hmm. to come out and, and do something, you know, to yeah. join the fight and to, hopefully make it a better future for somebody. Yeah.
Now, do you? I say fight ALS all the time because I'm a communication person who can't figure out what to say that's better sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, I type, I do a lot of our posts on my cell phone even, and it's like, join us too, and fight comes up auto insertation. It's like, I gotta think. Is is that? Do you care about saying that? Is there something better you'd want to say? It's okay. You can want to say fight ALS. I say it all the time. Well, I think it's a good word because you know we have an uphill battle here. Mm-hmm. You know, we have an uphill battle until such time that really big money, and I'm talking bigger than ice bucket challenge money, uh, is invested in, in this disease process mm-hmm. and, and trying to find a cure or meaningful treatments. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely a fight. It's a Donnybrook in hockey terms. Right. Or a melee. <laughs> or a melee. Yes, absolutely. So I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, I, and, you know, to the point you made earlier, um, you know, when it, when it comes to interacting with ALS patients, I'm mm-hmm. going to assume that people that are on this, uh, listening to this podcast, have a family member or a good friend uh, that has ALS. And uh, you said it earlier. I mean, I, I want to be known as John until the day I die. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be known as a hero or anything else. I'm sure people say that I, I've got a good outlook, that I'm staying positive, mm-hmm. that I'm stubborn, strong-willed. And you have to be those things right. to live with this disease. And again, I'm at the not really early stages, but I'm at the the easy part, right. as, as I always call it. I'm not at the hard part yet, mm-hmm. but it, it's still um, a, a daily fight mentally. So uh, I think in terms of um, folks that are around ALS patients, treat them as you always did. That's what I asked my friends to yeah. do, and they're still brutal. Uh, mm-hmm. They give me a hard time as they always did. But I, um, and you'd rather them be teasing you than to treat you like a like a snowflake. Absolutely. I mean, when I was first diagnosed, this is kind of a sick one. But when I was first diagnosed, I was still playing golf, and uh, you know we're known as Lou Gehrig's disease ALS. And so whenever I would hit a good drive, which mm-hmm. I wasn't, I'm not a very good golfer, but I'd hit a good drive, and we would all chant Lou, <laughs> <laughs> cheering me on with, right. that, with that ball that actually went down the middle for once. Right. Well, yeah. you're probably better than I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> not anymore, I'm sure. <laughs> I, my two-year-old's not that much worse than I am. Yeah, so. well, your skills aren't great. What can you do? I you know, Golf isn't necessarily my sport. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But I, I think it's important for people to understand. And, you know, I only know this disease process because I'm in, involved in it at this point. I think it's important for people to understand that we don't want to be anything other than what we already were before we were diagnosed and uh, that we really need the support of our friends emotionally, if nothing else. Right. To be, so be, instead of being a friend, a good listener and a friend because someone has ALS, be a good listener and a friend to be a good friend. Oh, absolutely. From the start of a friendship. I mean, it breaks my heart when we go to uh, support group meetings to hear uh, people say that you know their friends don't visit with them anymore because mm-hmm. you know my you know the husband was the patient he's getting so bad and he really can't speak a lot and it's so frustrating for me to hear that because as a patient I would think when I get to that point I'll be happy to just sit with people mm-hmm. words do not need to be spoken just uh, sitting down and watching a movie or being with other humans uh, is ultimately important. Yeah, well, I agree. And I think that for me personally, it's made me want to be a better friend in general. You know, I I uh, try and treat my wife well anyway before I came here. But 
you know, it just puts in perspective, like, I don't want to wait to be a good person to her and to others. Right. You know, I've had some people who were unkind to her or to me, and it's like, well, why would why would you be that way? Right. Like, just, you you only have so much time in life, whether you have ALS or not, to just, you know, not be a jerk. Well, I, th- I, th- I think the world would be a better place if everyone lived as though they had a terminal illness. Right. I mean, I thought that before. We've had a few friends that have died of brain tumors. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you learn from every one of those uh, because it's it's a life that w- was cut short mm-hmm. too soon. And, you know, it makes you think about, you know, how you should interact with others and how you should live your life. I think we should, everyone would be better off if they lived this way. Yeah, I, on a personal note, the other day I was rocking my son to sleep, he's two and a half, and I was reading a book to him, and I was holding him thinking, you know, tomorrow I could be in a car accident. Right. And I was exhausted, but I was like, you know, I get to hold him for a little bit longer. Why? Sure. Maybe you're right. Maybe uh, We do all have a terminal illness. We have, you know, it's life. Life. Exactly. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. you know, one, we could all die tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Or you never know what's going to happen, so don't don't wait to make that kind of change in your perspective until you have ALS. Right. You know, try and learn from people like yourself, not in terms of oh John's a brave person, but like right. John's a decent human being. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what you would want people to remember is John. John's he, a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> he he did the right thing. If it know. said something, I don't want to say it, but like it's on your tube. Said John John Russo. He was all right. He was okay. <laughs> He's a good egg. He didn't stink. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and, and honestly, that early on, uh, this is what I've learned. You know, one thing that I learned was the the fact that you know I get to say goodbye to everybody. Mm-hmm. The, that guy that goes out to work and gets in a car wreck and never comes home, maybe never had the chance to say the right things to the right people. Mm. So I got you know years to do that. Yeah. And do you, do you appreciate those ways you talk to people now, like? You know, make sure to, to but, leave things on a good level as often as you can. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Except for my wife who's sitting here because... Hey, we, she came. <laughs> we're, we're, we do battle all the time, but she's very strong-willed. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, do you think that's just how people should be instead of... It's not an ALS thing anymore. It's no, just, it, it really isn't. Try and leave leave your relationship strong at all points if you can. Listen, if everybody could do that, it would be an art form for sure. Yeah. Because there's always emotion involved and it's not always positive emotion. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as, as they say, the world would be a better place. Right. So, you know, you talk about how you want people to treat you as a person in terms of their words and just like treating you normally. But, you know, because you have friends and yeah. good for you. Most of my friends are on Facebook and not real. They're real. And it's like, I'm going to see them. I um, but, um, you know, friends want to help. So I'm yes. sure that when you were diagnosed, there were people who were like, who went from just, I was going to see you anyway, to, oh, I want to help. And how do you want people to do that? Well, I I mean, listen, getting the offers for help is Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I don't think people that really mean it would say it. Right. And I still get the call me if you need anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that's disingenuous. But, uh, you know, from Loretta's in my perspective anyway, you know, we're okay right now, but at some point we're going to need the help Mm -hmm. and we're going to take it Mm -hmm. because I think for people that, um, that are not suffering with ALS, but are suffering with an ALS patient, uh, it gives them something to do that they can feel good about. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they take an action small or large that actually contributed to, uh, 
my well-being and Loretta's. Yeah. And maybe those actions are just being a, a good friend, a good person that's providing being, company. Being a good friend, cook a nice meal. I got a right. list. We have friends that are great cooks. Oh, that's good. And, None of my uh, friends cook me anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because being a guy, you know, I, my guy friends, I mean, I, you learn a lot about people. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that you thought were the tough guys actually have a soft side. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it, it's a good thing. It's it's really a good thing. And, and those are the people, I think, that amaze me the most. They're the ones that you'd never expect mm -hmm. the kindness to come from. Uh, and that makes you a tougher person, not in terms of, like, big, strong muscles, but a tougher person to be able to handle those situations in life when yes. your friend needs help. A absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I would say for folks out there that, that – have an inkling of an idea that they think could help. They should always offer. Don't be shy. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till the last minute. And when the when the times get tough, when things get ugly, you got to just suck it up and be there for the for the the person that you cared about all those right. years. You know, you can't just be afraid to go because oh, he can't talk anymore and he can't move. I mean, it's well. I'm I'm isolation is horrible. Yeah. Well, and friends make sure you're not isolated. Well, that's right. That's, that's, that's where, where the big help I think will come. Yeah. And so you, you make sure people come and help you out and that are there you, and you can feel isolated amongst people. You would oh, absolutely. You would rather feel, I mean, obviously you have your wife who seems to care for you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Depends on the day of the week. But well, it's, yes. it's Monday <laughs> okay. so far. Today's a good Monday's day. a good day, yeah. Um, but you have others who, um, you know, you would rather not, because everyone's been in high school, you go to a party and you're like, oh, I feel by myself here. Yeah. You'd rather be amongst one or two people that make you feel like you're a human being than being amongst a bunch of other people who are like, a, you don't want to be a patient and no. be poked and prodded. No, you don't want to be that thing sitting in the corner. You want people to interact with you. You want people, even if you can't talk back, well, talk to me anyway. I'll listen. I'll, I'll be mm -hmm. a good listener yeah. at that point. Absolutely. Well, you're good at talking back. For now, yeah. yeah. In terms of actually <laughs> talking back. Um, so, you know, on the other hand, people want to help. They also want to ask questions. I'm sure you've had a lot of friends and family yes. that... Yeah, maybe they wait too long to ask a question, whether it's how can I help or something, because they feel awkward. Right. How do you want people to, and I think that, when I, because I'm asking you, because I think a lot of people actually feel the same way as you do. Sure. So if people have questions, I'm not talking about like really, like too personal, but just like, you know, oh, how are you moving? Or like, oh, how is this? And right. Like, how do you want people to feel open to asking you if you're a well, friend? See, I'm not afraid to talk about what's going on. I, mm -hmm. I because I think knowledge is, is power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, this all feeds into the whole machine of will we ever get a cure or a meaningful treatment for, for ALS? So I think the more people know and understand, mm -hmm. that word is going to travel and something good will happen, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the information. So, and I have had people ask me personal questions. Uh, you know, again, I'm still pretty mobile and I can do most everything for myself. But I, I don't really pull any punches. I let people know that uh, mm -hmm. I've grown a beard because shaving is getting pretty darn tough right now. Mm -hmm. i got to take a break if I'm going to shave my face. 
And you don't and want to spend all morning shaving. No, and then I'll be exhausted. Right. You know, it mean, looked good. Uh, thank you very much. I know I told you. I trimmed it last night. Everyone that's listening <laughs> is going to think it looks good. <laughs> well, maybe you can send a picture out afterwards. Well, we'll send a picture. But yeah. Don't worry. Um, but, but I think it is important um, to have that open dialogue with people. And again, from a patient perspective, I would encourage all patients to not be afraid to tell people what you're going through because... I think something good eventually can come from that. Mm -hmm. Good. Let's not, let's not hide it. Good. So we're here at Advocacy Day. It's the last um, last part of this, I'd like to say. Um, is there anything you, you're looking forward to taking out of here from your experience? You, you knew what you were getting into when you came here. You know, you had some expectations. You get to see some people you don't see very often. Yes. You already did today. Yep. <clears throat> so for people who have never done advocacy in D.C. before, what are you looking? What do you think is something that they should be excited to do for next year to come and join it, or things that you're looking forward to on Capitol Hill, or just being part of the chapter? Well, look, this is a pretty focused meeting. It's great to meet everyone, uh, get updates from patients that I've met over the last couple mm -hmm. of years to see how everyone's doing. But we're really here for an important reason, and, and that reason is to continue to talk to the powers that be on the Hill, so that we can somewhat be assured that the government is not going to forget about us. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a little upset that we're not asking for even more money every year. I mean, right. We ask for more. We, we don't normally get it. We get a good amount of money, but it's nowhere near enough. So I'm actually looking forward to just seeing the folks up on the Hill tomorrow and getting them, a lot of them to nod yes, mm -hmm. we'll support. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully they'll ask some important questions that indicate that they really do care. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really about it. Good. Well, I think that for anyone that's listening, at the, we both had experiences where lawmakers really do ask a lot of questions. Yes. They do care. And you want them to leave and you want them to get a good impression of what ALS is. You, I, you want them to be beaten over the head with the stick like with Loretta doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just need results is what we need. Right. Well, we're getting a lot done in Washington with people like John, and you can get involved with advocacy in your local area or in Washington, D.C. You can email me, Tony, at ALSPhiladelphia.org. And again, if you have some ideas about like how you want ALS communicated, let me know because I'm the one that writes our stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know, we're always looking to make our things better, and, you know, we want to be people-focused, not patient-focused. I mean, we are patient-focused, but we're people first. We're you know, we, whoa, I, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a person. You, I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, edit that out. That's too late. It's too late. <laughs> it's already up. This is live stream. No. Um, you know, I, I think I even don't like saying pals. I, I prefer saying people with ALS or person with ALS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acronym, I don't know that it's that helpful. And, point. and I, I have to say from um, listening to ALS Association President uh, Barbara Newhouse, when I saw her last year, she said, I don't like, I, I don't want to hear anyone say also. We're the right. ALS Association. It only takes an extra second to say what this is. And we need everyone to hear those three letters, which I liked her before. But when I heard her say that, you know, I was like, that's great. The world is full of acronyms. Right. And most people don't know what they are. So I have a book of them for tomorrow and I don't remember what I have. Bravo to Barbara. <laughs> yes. So if you have other ideas in terms of what you want to do, uh, get in touch with us. Um, John's at many events, so you can join an event at ALSPhiladelphia.org, uh, especially the Walk to Defeat ALS or the Ride to Defeat ALS. There are many ways to help and get involved, and uh, thank you to all that you do. Thanks, John, for helping us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.